This is way right. I mean, this is way right. This is wow. 100 yards right. Two perfect shots, Michael. Got me in the water on one and over the green on the other. The ball itself has its own energy. Or life force, if you will. Its natural environment is in the hole. So why don't you send them home? His bags are packed. He's got his airplane tickets. Bring him to the airport. Send him home. Welcome to episode 86 of the Break 80 podcast outs here. Joined by my co-host, Short Sided Mike. I can report that Tim is on the beach somewhere. I don't know if it's like the Bermuda Triangle or where he is, but his whereabouts aren't quite known. But he will not be joining us this evening. He's uh, he's busy doing selfies in the sand. I was going to say, it's all it's all anybody has seen as selfies. We're not even sure if he's actually at the beach. It's just his face on everything. So uh, he's supposed to play Teeth of the Dog coming up, so we should get some content from Timmy. Yeah, there's, there's, uh, we'll say, Tim, you know, you should, you travel a ton, like your content, like, you get a lot of good content where you go. 95% of his contents are selfies of him just smiling into the camera. <laughs> yeah, it's bizarre. <laughs> um, well, good tournament this week. I mean, maybe not necessarily tournament, but. Good golf course. I mean, the West Coast swing, I think, is a lot of people's favorites. And it's kind of come to a close this week at the Genesis. And, you know, now we kind of head to different parts like Mexico. And then we eventually end up in Florida and things like that. But, uh, you know, it was the West Coast swing. I guess we got a little bit of good golf just overall. Um, We're going to obviously talk about the Genesis. But just in general, what are your thoughts on how the PGA Tour has started this season, Mike? Um, I think the consensus among a lot of people would be that they need more from the stars, you know, to play better. But I actually personally have thought it's been a pretty good start. I thought Hawaii was pretty boring, but once they hit the California swing, Torrey Pines was a really good tournament with Pavone winning at on the 18th hole. Uh, Pebble got shortened but you know Wyndham shot a 60 there so that was pretty cool and Ludwig was right there you had an amateur win at the Amex so I think the storylines have been really good and then of course you had uh Hideki go scuba low and win the the Genesis and Tiger came back for a round in six holes or whatever it was or um so I think I think the storylines have been really good they probably wish a few of the bigger names would play a little bit better I don't think like like Rory hasn't played very well, and some of the big, big names have not played that great. But yeah, I've been, I've been happy with. It. I just, I could watch Riviera every week. Like the golf course is so good. I just wish, I wish we could go back in a time machine, and just tell the PGA Tour we're not doing the TPC system. We don't. Let's find some classic, great golf courses that hold up to the modern game. I mean, you look at you look at uh, Riviera, even with all the rain they've had and a little bit softened golf course, and Hideki shot 62. Still nobody got to 20 under. You know, the golf course holds up. You get all these old courses there. Their greens are tricked out enough that they can hold up to modern play, and you could do that every week somewhere almost in every city. But, yeah, I don't know. I love Riviera. It just I like the West Coast Swing. It's maybe my favorite swing. Of the, it's way better than the Florida Swing. Oh, for sure. And I think 
you know, when you think about, you know, you kind of mentioned that the stars haven't won. Well, if they're not winning, then somebody else is beating them. Right. So maybe exactly something to the depth, but the Genesis in itself, the reason why I think a lot of people like it is because it, you have to have a full game. You've got to have off the tee game. You've got to have iron play because there's some quirky things up by the greens. You've got to have a tight short game. You've got to have, as we saw this week, a decent putter going. I mean, there's a lot of golf courses where you can take out one of those things and, you know, it doesn't matter. And so, like, this week it's cool because some somewhat kind of major-esque, you know, a little bit. You've got to have all of it. And that's what's so great about watching the golf, even if your best player, you know, your best players don't win. The golf still takes a lot of strategy. It still takes a lot of skill. Um, and so, I don't know, that part of it makes it fun, regardless who uh, who comes on top. And this week, it was the uh, Hideki, the ninth PGA Tour win, shoots a vint. I thought Sunday was vintage Hideki. He goes on these crazy runs. Um, this happened to be a 62. But, you know, the classic elite iron play going with even a couple one-arm finishes to six inches or whatever. Yeah, does, doesn't like it, but it's just right there. I mean, you know in Hideki's dial, he just doesn't like the one-arm, you know, puts it to 10 feet with one-arm. I noticed this when I was watching uh, yesterday. Uh, when he's really playing well, he's got to be one of the straighter his shot tracers are so straight sometimes like he does not the ball does not move much like he must be a really low spin player it is just like a straight line like he was just right at flag sticks this is there's no movement to it at all just a rope straight ahead um which i which you know some guys always always have a lot of movement on the on the tracer but his was like a straight line so you know he must have been dialed in well yeah i guess if you think about him like nobody a lot of people, they're like, oh, he plays a fade. He plays a draw. Like, I don't really, can't really tell you what Hideki plays. I don't really, either he plays a shot that he's supposed to or he plays it that dead straight if he's on. I don't know. He had one of the sexiest scorecards. Did you look at the scorecard? He had three turkeys. Three different times in the same round. He His nine birdies were in sets of three. One, That's- two, and three he birdied. And then maybe it was like, 10, 11, 12, 9, 10, 11. He had three different times where he birdied three in a row, including down the stretch, which holes 12, he birdied, what, 15, 16, 17, I think, or something like that? Holes 12 through 16 were playing really hard, like brutal, like over par. And he went through there under par. I believe he he shot 62, and the, the average for the day was like 70. He was eight strokes better than the average. Yeah, I saw outside of Adam Hadwin, who shot, I think, like a 65 or something like that. Or, yeah, 60, yeah 65, I think. It it was head, head and shoulders above what anybody else was doing. I know that Luke List started off pretty hot, but... Didn't but finish yeah, that. Look at Orca right now, obviously, bogey-free. Started off with three birdies. And by the way, hole two is not an easy birdie hole. No. Um, you know, he birdied the ones that, you know, quote unquote you're supposed to it looks like because because one is basically a par four let's be honest if you're not birding one to start off on this golf course you are already behind the eight ball well that's the thing on sunday Cantley and xander both come out and par it and you're like here we go we could be in for a little bit of a letdown for those guys and of course they both did yeah so that's that's a tale and and hideki you know 
he's never known to be a good putter. I mean, it's he can be just as frustrating to watch putt as anybody. He always looks so technical over the ball when he putts, like just a, like a kind of more of a machine. He doesn't really doesn't look like he has a lot of just loose tension. It just seems like everything's so tight. But again, when he gets it going, it just it's fun to watch. I mean, he's had back problems. You know, he's had a a, a bad back, and I I can tell why because you know he gets that little pause and he just rips at the ball. I mean, he doesn't. A lot of guys, you don't know their swing speeds just by looking at them. You can tell he swings the club really hard. Yeah, and we'll talk about putting. I got a, I got a theory on putting which we'll t- that's super overrated that we'll talk about later. But he kind of – the crazy thing to me is Hideki had been – had not even been in contention for like a year. I think last year at the Players maybe he was up around top 10. He hasn't done anything for like a year. He was all the way down to 55th in the world rankings, which – you know, and, and that doesn't even count some of the live guys probably that would be ranked ahead of him. So, and he's back up to 20th now with this win, but he has had a rough year. Um, but I think it just comes, goes to show you on a, this is a championship level golf course. Like they're hosting the U S open in 2030, I believe there that ball striking really matters. And he's, you know, when he gets it going, he's a great ball striker, but um, to me as every year, the star is always Riviera. I just think I wish like this could be a template for golf on the PGA tour. If they, you know, they're never going to go away from the TPC. It's how they make their money, all the TPCs, but a classic golf course. If you watched it on TV, the rough was, the rough was tricky. They had the rough growing up a little bit because it's got so much rain there. So if you got in the rough, those guys had a tough time in the rough, especially on those back nine holes, like 12 through 16. They were, you know, you had a tough time getting on the green. And the greens are severe enough, even with all the rain and how soft it's been. You know, they, they couldn't get it as firm as they wanted to. Like, I'm sure in the U.S. Open, they'll get it really firm. The greens are tough enough where those guys have to really think about where to hit. And sometimes, like hole 10, they just can't take dead aim at a flag stick. They have to be smart, and they have to think their way around the golf course and be a lot more technical. And that's awesome. That's how golf should be. Instead, just shoot a number and get a number and hit it right at the flag stick over and over again. I'm looking at Hideki last season. He did play, it says 24 missed cuts and two withdraws, but two top tens. Yeah, terrible year by his standards. Yeah, you're, you're playing in 26 events, two top tens, and then top 25s, 11 of them. But, you know, Hideki's standards, he got to world number two, I think, at one point. Yeah, I mean – Hideki's one of those names, like, obviously, Lives comes up a lot with him because he has a, a part that, you know, a following that nobody can contend with. You know, it's unbelievable. So That's you, what I was going to say. A Live guy just because of – but to his credit, he's stuck it out and, and probably, you know, probably, you know, to, to his credit. But he's also losing out. Loads of money is my guess from from what live. I don't know the numbers and I don't have any inside scoop or knowledge, but it had to be millions. Probably, um, I'd be willing to bet Shrixon pays him a lot. He's probably the highest paid. I mean, so here's the thing with Hideki, and we've seen this. We know when when we go to when we go to PGA Tour events with media and everything, um, and that which is why I think this is a big win for professional golf because Hideki in Asia is an absolute superstar. Like 
when, you know, at the 3M, for instance, he played the 3M last year. You know, I was talking to a lady from Japan who was there, you know, she's literally her job. She's a journalist is she follows Hideki to every meet or every meet, not a meet, every event. And then she has a crew. There's like eight people in this crew that follow him around for these newspapers in Japan and stuff and media in Japan. And they just shadow him and, and they write all about him. Like, like he is that he's like the Michael Jordan of, you know, sports in Japan, like golf for sure. He's a huge, it's a huge thing. And it's a really big deal that he wins. I think for golf worldwide. Um, so that, that that's pretty cool. It'll be really interesting to see, you know, cause he, he got in contention kind of late cause he did his, you know, if you look at his scorecard, he, he didn't make his, he made, he went six under on the backside. So yep. he, 30, 10, 11, 12 on that backside, which is when most people to, to, you know, tune in when it's kind of coming the later half of people are starting to hit the back nine. I'd be interesting to see what uh, the um, views are this week. What, what, uh, how many people watch with Hideki somewhat making a run. Tiger you know? withdrawing. And yeah. Um, you know, that's the thing. That's the crappy part about it because if Hideki wouldn't have been as hot, in a little less, there was a bunch of guys jumbled up right there. It would have came right down to the wire, but he kind of just ran away with it. But but what I'm saying though is 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 that you know the Japanese contingent. Did well, I'm sure I'm sure it's big. I don't know. We'll we'll get numbers eventually here. I'm wondering, did they come in and you know elevate the numbers up? It'll be interesting to see. He uh he also became the winningest Asian player on PGA Tour. He passed KJ Cho. He has nine wins now. No, yeah. mm-hmm. no we got to talk about Riviera. Well, hole number 10 before we move on to some other stuff. Cause I could, I am endlessly fascinated by this golf hole. And I think it might be, there's obviously more beautiful holes than whatever. It may be my favorite golf hole in the world. At least my favorite to watch professionals play it. You know, it's 300 and, at max, when they tip it out, it's 315 yards. A lot of the days, the pros can get there with three wood. And they are just, it's endlessly perplexing to them. You did not see many birdies out there on hole 10. Not too many. Yeah, it's got like the kidney bean, you know, shape. And it's protected by bunkers. And Lou Stagner, the stat guy, put a little video out this week. And he goes all the way back to 2005, strategy on how to play this hole. And if you go back to 2005, there's still a number of guys that are, are going for the screen. But as the years go on and we go all the way to 2022, by the time it gets to 2022, all those black dots have migrated up around the green as if almost nobody lays up anymore. Nobody. Um, I think you have to be, you know, really cocky with your wedge to make that decision. And I don't know, outside of going to the right, I don't know what, you know, how you can get yourself a better angle than hitting a three wood or something like that and missing left. And everybody will, most of the black dots are left. You know, you're not, it's not one of those. The only way you can really get at the pin, if it's, if it's in the front. Yeah, I mean, the front pin location, they can get birdies on. Yeah, very few eagles every year, unless it's that pin, just because of the protection with the bunkers. Um, when I see people go in that bunker, all I can think of is me at Blue Mound. I'm just... <laughs> You just know you're not getting out of it and it's, or you're going on the other side or whatever. Well, like 
if you miss it right in the right rough, there is no chance. Like uh, that Sunday pin in the back, did you see? There were a bunch of guys that missed it right because they're all hitting, you know, trying, they're trying to get there, especially guys that are not in contention. They're trying to get it on the green. They're not going to bail out when they're, you know, way down the list and on the leaderboard. But there were a number of guys who hit it right, and then you got to get just touchy with it. Then they, then they hit it in the bunker because they're trying to get too t- too cute. And then from that bunker, unless you do what Xander does and you make it and hit the pin, you know, you can't. There's a bunch of guys in that right bunker that couldn't even keep it on the green. The, the, the shot tracer thing on the PGA Tours, you know, you can follow shot by shot. There were some absolutely bizarre ones where the first shot's up by the green, and then it just lines across the green back and forth. Like they go over, then they go back, and then it's crazy. And it's 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 such a it's just a perfect example of how great architecture can stand up to modern technology if it's th- done right. And it's, you know, you probably have to have small greens like that thing is a little narrow green. It's got to be sloped and it's got to be protected. And you got to have the rough grown up, but it, you can do it. You can take, you know, it all of everybody thinks that all these old classic golf courses are being deemed basically irrelevant by technology. But here, this is a perfect example of how a, a wonderfully designed short par four can still stump the best players in the world. I would love to talk to a regular 5, 10, 12 handicap that plays there as a member, you know, like yeah. when you're playing there on a, on a regular day, like how do people play that hole? Do they like the hole? Do they get frustrated by it? Do they think it's sweet? Are they, can they not wait to get to hole 10? Is it annoying to them? Like, It'd be interesting to see their perspective on it. It's such a fun viewing hole. I'd be interested to see, you know, playing and how that would be different. Yeah. Um, I was I was thinking about it's almost like when you go right of it, you're playing for bogey. You know, like bogey at that point, you don't want to take anything worse than a bogey, but a bogey is actually not bad if you miss way right. If you miss way left, par people can pay, play for par. You know, if you're not in a, if you don't have a shot at the green, a lot of guys will just chip out to try to get it somewhere by that front and then get up and down. It's like, if you don't have a great tee shot, you immediately forget birdie. <laughs> yeah. Oh, immediately. And it's like, get me a par and get out of here. And you know, if you, if you, I, I would love to see a statistic from a PGA tour season on like drivable par fours. When the guys just bail one way, I'm sure the birdie conversion average is still very high on most they, Cause they're so, they're so good with their short games. You know, if they get anywhere by the green, they must get, they get up and down a lot. This one is obviously probably the toughest one out there, but I would love to see the, and cause, cause the data golf always says, you know, like, um, you know, decade golf's got faucet system and all the data almost always says now on all these travel par fours, just rip it, just get up there. And this is the one that like sometimes goes against the data and you'd be better off being short of that front bunker and hitting a, especially to that Sunday pin when you have to be, like you said, if you bail left, you still can't get close to the pin. you got to hit it way to the front middle and just try to leg it up there and make a par. Like the only way to make a birdie, unless you get like lucky with Xander in the bunker is to be in the front somewhere where you can come straight on at that thing and somehow have, get a chance to get it close. It's the only way. Um, so yeah, I, I would be fascinated to see a season long. It's probably out there. What the birdie percentages are like, like for instance, like TPC, Twin Cities for the 3M, the day they moved the tee up on 16. Well, those guys hit it up there with a dri- three-wood and a driver. 
that's got to be like a 50% birdie conversion rate or higher. I bet those guys just get it up and down and make a birdie, you know, where this hole is the complete opposite. It's one of the hardest in the world as a drivable par four. Well, is actually Hideki stole the show, but it was Cantley who had the couple shot lead going into it. I mean, he had a Thursday, Friday that are very hard to, it almost reminded me the Thursday, Friday run out is when, you know, Jocko, had such a great Thursday, Friday that he just got out to us, you know, steaming hot. And he actually held, held on. I know that some guys gave him a run at the end there, but I thought it was, could be one of those things. But then I come back and see that Xander or not Xander, which you could go with Xander too, but Cantley has not closed out a 54 hole lead outside of the tour championship. Like he's not been ever good with a lead. No. Um, and I don't, I don't know. know. I, I just, well, it's like majors. He's an absolute oddity. He's been a top 10 player in the world for like years now. And he's got like one or two top 10 finishes in a major. It's just absolute bizarre. Yeah. And the thing about him is he's so calm on the outside. Like he doesn't look like he would be phased by anything. Yeah. I, I mean, I think, inside. I think part of it is for him. Cause I was doing some stats on putting, you know, he's not a great putter. He's 50. He's okay. He's, he's above average. He's 57th on tour and stroke skiing, but Stroke and off the tee, he's only 85th. He's kind of like in the middle. And if you and if you watched it, he didn't hit a lot of fairways on Sunday. He was in the rough, and the rough was legit. Like it was it was beefy rough. So in those little greens that are sloped, if you can't spin it at all, you just can't get it close to any of those pin locations. And I think that, I think that kills him sometimes. He's not the most accurate driver of the golf ball, which is odd because it doesn't look like. I mean, I know he has 170 ball speed yeah he hits it plenty far i just but he doesn't look like he does like it looks like he just kind of guides him out there kind of like a jeff guidey swing (laughs) that guide that ball out there and he just doesn't but um yeah so i don't know i it does sound like he was a little sick going in on sunday but regardless like that's the kind of stuff that you know legends do they just find a way to close that thing off even his saturday round was pretty scrappy you know he didn't have it Comes in with one under, you know, doesn't doesn't lose his lead, and then you were hoping Sunday that he'd come out. Now again, a lot of people don't like to watch him. He's not the best viewing golfer. I mean, there's things about him that annoy a lot of people. I do like his tempo. I do like his demeanor. It's a boring one, but like if you're watching somebody, you can never tell what kind of lead he has. Is it ten shot lead? Is it a, is he down by ten? I mean, I can't ever tell. It was all set up too. I mean, he got paired with his best buddy. You know, him yeah. and Xander, they got paired together in the final grouping, and you're like, well, he's going to be super comfortable and play well. And then he just well, he shot one over, didn't he? He just didn't have it at all. I think he might have shot two over. Maybe two over, yeah. He was not good. Um, I don't know. Well, I, I think, you know, the – and I know you're going to get into putting here in a little bit. I think the one other guy that I really want to touch on, I think um, – you know, there's there's a lot of guys on the on the list, but the one that I think that most people are probably going to be talking about is Willie Z. Yeah, you know, Willie had not been playing great. Obviously, coming off a back injury, hasn't played himself in contention since he's been back this season, and he just had a very you know solid, steady rounds. I he he went started off great, shot 66 on on Thursday, kind of came back to the field a little bit on on Friday, and then shoots at 75 on Saturday to get him back into contention and even made a nice little run at it. Obviously if Hideki hadn't gone nuts, 
you know, he could have easily found a way to close out that tournament. So Willie Z back, he's a big game hunter, loves the big stage, loves the tough golf courses, loves the highly competitive events. Um, to me, he just looks like a high school golfer that you and I would be coaching. I can't, he's, uh, I can't he's, seriously on the golf course. He's a little guy, but I, I used you stole the words right out of my mouth. I was going to say big game hunter. This is a, this was a championship level golf course. And if you look, even Rusty, the other event where he played pretty well this year was Torrey Pines, which is also a big, you know, a big time golf. You know, it's a tough golf course to sell. It's a long, it's a beast. He's played well in these two events on championship level, you know, where you got to have a real, a real well-rounded game. And even though he doesn't putt that great, I will say he's like Hideki. He hits some of the, the straightest shot tracers. It's just a piercing straight, doesn't even hardly move ball flight sometimes it's just fun to watch it'll be interesting to see if he can he's had a lot of close chances can he win that first one and then just kind of make a, a little brooksy run at majors you know what i mean can he get that first one because he's i feel like his game sets up well for how a lot of these courses are built you know long quick greens obviously not known as a great putter but the the broomstick maybe steadies him a little bit more now um, very good short game, creative, great attitude. I mean, again, can't tell if he's up or down. Who knows? So, um, yeah, yeah. Be- if he stays healthy, you got to think he wins. I would, I would think he wins multiple majors. Like, think about, think about twenty twenty two when he was healthy. He could have won the PGA Championship. You know, he was right there. He's in the playoff with JT, and he got second, lost by a shot at the Open to Fitzpatrick hit that great bunker shot on eighteen. He was right there in two majors when he's healthy because I think he plays really well on the big time golf courses and the big stage. Didn't he take second at the Masters as well? He might have, yeah. I mean, he had an unbelievable run of like in contention for a young player. I think people forget how young he, he how young he really is. Like, what what, was, what are they saying during the Genesis? He won the 2018 or 19 the college event they had there. You know, he's only been a pro for four four or five years, so he's he's really young still. Yeah, I know. Good, good dude. Um, you know, I like to watch him hit iron shots. Like you said, dead straight. Swings it. Tiny little thin rail body, but gets generates the speed that he needs. Um, very flexible. Uh, so outside of, you know, good golf, I thought this actually had a lot of headlines, a lot of storylines that came out of this week. I'm just going to run down a few of them, and if you have any that you want to comment, obviously, you know, the the – Tour's main guys that they're kind of building this. Um, I don't know what you want to say, but the face of the of the program, the face of the PGA Tour. You have J- JT missing the cut. You have you know Tiger obviously WDing from sickness. Speed getting DQ'd. Rory and Max just literally essing their pants on Thursday to, yep. to like let them even have a chance to win. You know, then you got Xander and Cantley who don't really do a great job of going just winning tournaments. They're always just kind of they love top tens. Um, yeah, I thought that was uh, there's a lot of extra stuff going on besides golf. So okay, so obviously Tiger withdrew, had the flu or whatever, and we had the Sunday red outfits, which I thought looked okay. I didn't think, you know, I'm not a big fan of the logo, but I thought. You know, like on the, where the sweater with the logo on the chest wasn't bad. I didn't think the shoes looked terrible. You know, they looked okay. Um, what do you think of his play? 
You know, I just anytime I watch him now, and this is I should say comment. This is coming off the the foot stuff, right? That yeah. that now that he's got like a lot of other things going on. This is this is the after the foot. I feel like he has the game to scrap it around. Like I feel like he has. I just don't think he ever has. He has the next gear to like. You know, it's always like ah, he's got to save par here. Ooh, he's got himself. Yeah. In- here but then he doesn't you know doesn't have a great iron shot or he misses a six foot pot or he i just shanks one on 18 or yeah randomly shanks one i mean like i just i don't even if he comes out and shoots a good round i just i do not have the confidence in him over four rounds to to do anything i i just it's like he's almost just going to hang in there i, I don't i don't think he's gonna you know I don't know if it's even realistic to say that he's going to win. Obviously he says he will, but you know, the fact of the matter is, is he, it's just the next thing. It was illness this week. Next week, it'll be a neck thing. And then the week after that, it's going to be, uh, you know, he's got a bad hamstring. I don't, I mean, it's just, it doesn't matter. It's just always something. And here's when those things happen. And I'm not saying he wasn't sick. I'm sure there's something to that. I just feel like he's not as mentally strong as he once was. I feel like he lets injuries play with his mind. Like he's always talking about getting his body and, and ready and all this stuff. It's like, you know what? Just don't talk about your body for once. I know he's asked about it. Just say, I feel good. Can't wait to play this week. And just see if you let your mind get into how you're feeling constantly and all the things you have to do with your body, you start to probably believe it. He's, you know, and just – all of a sudden things pop up. So I, I don't know. I don't think he's as mentally strong as he once was. No, I, I would a hundred percent agree with you. And and where I really notice it is with the one, th- the one area of a game that I would think physically he, his body is fine. I notice it a lot chipping and putting where like, you know, tiger, even in his prime, obviously was a great iron player, but he'd spray it off the tee, you know, get in trouble once in a while but he always, like, you knew he'd get up and down. He'd make a big putt. He has some four chips sometimes and doesn't make as many putts, you know, as I think we're used to seeing, which coming off all of his injuries, you thought, okay, he's not going to have the speed in the longer game, which he still actually hits it pretty good. To me, it's like the putting and chipping, the things that I think he'd be able to practice, you know, and, and stay somewhat sharp where he seems so rusty and and just not there and going back even to when he first came back and played the masters a couple years ago it was like some of the chipping and putting was just not there i don't know if it's rust from competition or what but those things that you are just used to tiger making a putt and and like just not there and that's got to be a mental thing i don't know he's getting old too i suppose you just kind of you get to a point where you can't do it anymore I don't have anything to back this up. I'm pretty sure. I mean, he's right there with all the other guys off the tee. I mean, lengthwise, I, it's inc- that's incredible in itself. It's incredible. He's hitting it out there, yeah. Generate that speed at that age and all those injuries in his body. Like the fact that that's the least of his worries. I mean, that's and then and then and then you know what is he what has he been known for outside of doing that? Is his unbelievable iron play. Like his iron play. You know his. He's had he has the escapability. Although he did have, he did really escape out of that shank pretty well. That was yeah, a hell- it was great. It was great. That was a hell of a shot, of course. But then he misses the pot. You know, it's like he, he. So I don't know. I just I just don't. Uh, I love watching him still. I just it's you know it's just one of more of those things. It's it's uh, it puts me in a in a nostalgic 
place when I get to see him play golf still, but I just don't get the same feels. Like if he just give me one round where I think you're going to win this week, like give me like, like make a move on a Friday, like just to kind of, you know, think that we're going to be, we're, you're two back going into the weekend. You know, that's, that's all I'm asking. I, I don't, I don't expect you to win. I don't expect, I just want one day where we're, where we're, or we're down five going into Sunday, you know, got the red on, you know, give me something that I can kind of hang my hat on. It's just more W. I just, that's all. I just don't see him having the kind of fighter power to be able to put his foot on the gas pedal for four straight rounds the way you almost have to do these days. Like, to me, the only way that he can win, you know, and he's only going to play some majors and big events, is if the weather conditions are windy or something, you know, where he can just find a way to be that classic hit at the spots, not make mistakes and have it be a lower scoring, grinded out kind of tournament. I just, I just can't see him winning an event at 20 some under, which is like, you know, most of these events are, you know, some of the majors obviously aren't, but that's just not his game anymore. And he's not great at Riviera, but you think it would be a course where he would be. Cause it should be perfect for him. Be really good for him. Like, you know, he grew up in those greens. He is strategic. You know, it's, you got to have a good short game. You got, I mean, there's, so I don't know. It's interesting. Yeah. I mean, he's never won there at Riviera, but to, in all reality, he hasn't played, he never played there much when he was, you know, in his prime because it wasn't, he wasn't hosting the Genesis. It was the LA open. He skipped it for a bunch of years, you know, when he was only playing majors in a few big events. So he, I'm sure over time he would have probably won because you're right. His game should be perfect for the golf course, but yeah. What about Spieth and the old, the old uh, DQ? You know, that's, I, I, I think about this in high school golf, you know, like this, first of all, I mean, yeah, you got to keep your score correctly. I, I don't, I, how else do you want people to do it? I mean, you, you have to be able, the game of golf is you playing and writing down your score. I mean, but the fact that we still have, I mean, WDs, or just it's so stupid at the professional level. Everybody watching you, everybody knows what the score is. I, it's just an it's an archaic rule for that level of golf. Why don't you just? Why doesn't the TV just compare what he wrote down or whatever? Whoever keeps track, like, why won't you just say, "All right, hey, Spieth, on sixteen, you got a four instead of a you know three, and and say, oh, okay, sounds good. That's right, you're right, I did get that. And then you know, I don't even does signing it even matter at that point, but. Like, yeah, you should still write down your score because you're playing a game that that's part of the game. But I just can't believe that we're not past that. It's just stupid. Um, you know, Spieth can afford to, to miss a, you know, miss a tournament and not get paid. But for a lot of these guys, I mean, it's a stupid thing like that could cost them a lot. Yeah, for sure. Um, before we segue into my putting rant, we got to talk about Scotty again. I mean, that's a perfect segue. That was the one I, I, I was going to let you kind of. Oh, sure. I mean, like, yep. he was throwing balls into the woods. He chucked his putter once. It is the most bizarre thing to me because less than two years ago, he was an above average putter on tour. Strokes gain. Now, strokes gain isn't always the perfect measurement tool because if you hit it really good like he does, it does skew it a little bit. But. It's kind of the standard for 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 measuring putting, and I, I just think like 
it has to be. He's a mild mannered guy. He's laid back. It has to be so frustrating because you know he's putting in hours probably trying to fix it. You know, he was out, they had him on the golf channel. He was out there, the only guy in the putting green, putting with Ted Scott. And he's putting in so much time. And then you watch him in these events. Like, I think you posted on social media for the season, he's hitting almost 90% of greens in regulation, but putting from three to five feet is like 70 some percent. Like, it's a crazy wild thing. And some of these putts, Jeff, aren't even close. Like, they're not even hitting the hole, they're horrible. Um, so like, I don't know what he's going to, like, I don't know where this goes from here. Like you've talked about, he could win the mass. Like he could, he could, he could win the players for sure. We've seen him win the players and and he could win the masters. But at the same time, I'm sitting here watching this. I'm thinking this could get really bad. Like before it gets better, like he it's, it is seemingly getting almost worse. Like it's not getting better. Like the last two events he's played, some of these putts from short distance aren't like even close. Like it's worse than what we would, we do sometimes, uh, which is crazy to me. Uh, I don't, does he have to swallow his pride and go to the lab broomstick like Lucas Glover and, and uh, Willie Z I would, I would vouch for that a hundred percent. I mean, when you got guys like Rory on the, on a telecast, basically saying, did you see that where Rory was on the telecast? Basically saying, if he figures out how to putt, we're all screwed. Like he's hitting it so much better than anybody. Um, I don't know. I don't know. It's so bizarre. I think there's a couple things about Scotty. First of all, I know that people think he's very mild mannered, but I heard an interview once that says, I'm not mild mannered. Like if you could get into my mind. Yeah. He holds it in pretty well. I'm pissed. Yeah. He holds it in, but he, he's very, uh, I don't know if the word competitive, but he's got this drive that a lot of, he goes, I do a really good job of showing, you know, not showing it, but I am, hundred percent kind of a head case at times is basically what he said. Secondly, you know, he, the, the thing about that I don't understand is it just seems like he just goes out there and just hopefully the next day he wakes up, it's just going to be gone. He doesn't try anything new. He doesn't gone to like left hand low. He hasn't, I mean, he's, there's, he's, there's been rumors that he's going to switch putters. You know, there's going to be rumors that he's doing this and that or new putting coaches or whatever it is. <laughs> Dude, it's okay. Like sometimes it just takes like, oh, I just need to look at something different. You know, you can't, I think here's what's interesting. You know, he's hitting the balls so well that he can do one of two things. He can think of it as I'm hitting the ball so well, I'm throwing away all these wins. And I think if he thinks of it that way, it'll start possibly showing up in other areas of his game, you know, because he's so focused on, if he thinks of it like, man, I get this putting down, it's over because I'm feeling really good off the tee, hitting my irons well. I think it comes into psychology at this point. There's some psychology in this situation where depends on how he looks at it is how he'll come out on the other side of this. I think he's – I don't know if he's ever been a fantastic, like, lights-out putter by any means. So I don't know the history of, you know, when he first got on tour, what he was putting like. I feel like he did make a lot of his tests. his well, first two years on tour. He was above. He wasn't. He's never been a top end putter, but his first two years on tour, he was above average on strokes gained. Like he was slightly above average. Like to a point where, if he had those kind of putting stats these last two years, he would have won like six freaking times a year. Um, 
some guys like some guys will literally go back to their high school potter or something, you know, trying something like Snedeker went back to his potter. He had like an eighth grade or something like that. Yeah. Obviously start holding putts. You know, I know like when you're not putting well, there's nothing more frustrating because especially when you know you're hitting it well, yeah. it's really hard. It's really, and Mike, you've dealt with this way more than I have. Oh God. Yeah. It, it, I, the, the rounds in your head that you think you could shoot if you could just make some putts, whereas I'll hit the ball like absolute shit and I'll walk away with the 75 or six because I was just lights out getting up and down, like barely hitting, like hitting seven, eight green regulations. You know, anytime I had a birdie look inside 15 feet, I made it, you know, make it. And then you walk away thinking, how did I just shoot that? Cause I felt awful off the tee or hitting irons or whatever it is. And yeah, the exact opposite so i and the thing with like a lot of the data it's so wild because he hits it so good he even skews the stroke scan data and he's talked about this before himself because stroke scan you know other players might hit it to 30 feet and two putt and, you know if he hits it to 10 feet and misses that 10 footer it actually hurts him in the stroke scan because you know, a lot of guys would make that putter or, and they are, you know, they're going to gain some strokes on the field where he's missing it. He, he's still making a par the same as the guy from 30 feet. He's just hit it so much better that it looks really bad. You know, like the one round at Riviera, he putted terribly. He had 27 putts, you know, I, I mean, he hit it great. He hit it great. So it's like, it's a lot of one putts and two, he does not, he's not three putting. He's just missing a lot of makeable putts that were, that make people like us think like he could run away with a lot of these tournaments if he even putted remotely average. But anyway, I went, so I started thinking today, I think I'll write an article on this at some point in time here, that at in high-level golf, there's this idea that, you know, drive for show, putt for dough. Yes, it's true to some extent. And yes, you have to win, you have to make some putts. You just have to. But I think if you really dig into it, and the leaderboard at, at both the Genesis and the official golf ranking top 10, really go to show you that putting's overrated in re- in reality because here is your Genesis top 10 and where they are for the season in Stroski. Now, granted, all these guys are professional golfers and they can all have hot weeks where they may actually make some putts, which is you know typically what happens. But overall, like if you look, Hideki is 131st out of 175 players in the PGA Tour this year, Stroski and putting. Not very good. Uh, Will Zalatoris is 92nd. He got second. Luke List is actually putting great for himself. He's 78th. He's typically like 107. One of the worst putters on tour. And he's actually won multiple events. Adam Hadwin, 54th. Xander, fifth, or Cantley, 57th. Xander Schauffele is 114th. Stroski and putting. Harris English, 29th. Hoagie, 51. Jason Day, 90th. So, well, the guys that were basically top 10, only... A couple of them are above average putters for the season. Now, they obviously probably all putted okay this week. Then you go to the World Golf Ranking. Scotty Scheffler, number one player in the world, is 128th out of 175 players on tour and putting. Rory McIlroy is 112th. And you can go all the way down the list. And basically what happens is the top 10 players in the world, and you throw out Rom because he doesn't have data, their, their, their average strokes gain is 86.8. Okay, and and, and I'll, I'll be honest, Brian Harmon, who's 10th because of the open last year, skews the shit out of this data because he's 33rd. If you take Harmon out, they're going down to 93.5. They're almost like around 100th best Stroski in putting on average. But then you go to the the ball striking. 
off the tee, if you take Harmon out again, because he kind of is not very good off the tee, they're 37.6. They're top end off the tee. And tee to green overall, they're, uh, they're, they're averaging around like 56 as a group, you know, in the top. So I think to me, the numbers bear out that, that ball striking is far, far, far more important to, you know, maybe not winning every week because you got to obviously make putts, but to be a top end player, they're all really good ball strikers. They're not that great of putters. A lot of them aren't. Rory has historically missed a lot of putts, you know, and stuff like that. And the top, so the top two players in the world, Scheffler and Rory, nobody would call great putters. No one. And they're up there. And then if you go and you look at the list of the top ranked Stroh's game putters, it's a bunch of guys you haven't hardly heard of that That's are all. Not- they're only out there because they can putt. That's how they survive. They can make putts, but they don't, they're not good enough <coughs> to actually, you know, compete at that level most of the time. Like I'm looking, I've seen a lot of, you know, obviously Brian Harmon is, is one of them, but you're seeing the Denny McCarthy's you're seeing um, Aaron Badley, David Springer, S- Hayden Springer, and some of these guys like that. Looking, Yeah. Hayden Springer. Um, Nick Denlap actually putting averages up there too. So anyway, anyways, yeah, very fascinating. I just think like, like that's the common misheld, like misconception that putting is the most important aspect of the game. And to some extent it probably is, but for overall, like just being a good player, you could actually, the stats would bear out on the professional game at least. You can somewhat be a shitty putter by their standards. And as long as you hit it really well, you're going to be a top player. Like, no doubt about it. I mean, like, there's 175 players in this ranking. And Hideki right now, after, after this is after he just won, is 131st. And Scotty's 128th. Rory's 112th. Shafley's 114th. Like, they're way at the bottom of the ranks in putting, yet they're top, you know, players in the world. Yeah, I I think you are kind of correct on that. Putting is, it's one of those things. Like if you make a load of putts, you know, like some of these guys, if their putter gets hot, that's where the sixty twos come, the sixty three. Yeah. But they they'll no matter how well they putt, some of these guys that are always in the top ten or they're they're gonna shoot a sixty eight or sixty nine no matter how well they putt. That's just how good they are. That's how many times they'll put it close to the flag. That's some you know. It's just whether or not they can mix in a 64, you know, 65, you know, otherwise they're going to be 68, 69, you know, around there all the time. And so the putter just has to see a couple go in. It's just like, Mike, you're, you and I, we're, we're shooters, right? Like yeah. there's times where you know you can, you can shoot, but there's times where it's like you, does, you just need a sliver of time and you know what's going in, right? And I don't think these guys – um, have those moments a lot, those blackout moments. Spieth had them all the time, right? He was ridiculous, and he's not not winning as much anymore. You know, it just takes a little bit of. Um, I don't even know if it's confidence. I I don't even know what what it is. These guys are all really good. They have all the data in the world. They have putting coaches. Like tell them if they're a millimeter to the right or left. I mean, it's that's. Putting is one of those things where you and I are the closest thing that we can ever be to a pro. Uh, maybe you with distance, not me, but like that's the one thing that you would think would be the easiest thing to fix. 
you know, from any, for anybody. Cause it's just, it's just a normal, it's a feel, it's a feel it's, it's, it can't be overly complicated or mechanical for yeah, someone. I mean, yeah, I think for pros and even your, you know, better amateurs who are like a four handicap five and less, they don't three putt a lot. You're not, you know, like you're not three putting. So you're, if you're hitting a green in regulation, most good players, most of the time, are making par at worst and these pros are no different they make a few more birdies and then they get up and down if we you know compared to like amateurs if we miss a putt it's just that the ones the, the ones who have staying power at the top of the at most you know rankings aren't great putters by professional standards but you don't need to be because they give themselves so many more chances than the other guys you know the other guys don't hit it as well so they're they're putting great, but those are par putts. Where the other guy, well, these guys here are are making birdie putts or having a tap in par. That you, you know, I mean, unless you're Scheffler and you you, you miss a, the whole hole on three foot par putt or something. But but that's the difference. That's like I like to compare you and I and Tim, right? Like you're going to hit a lot more greener regulations. So the only chance that we have to consistently beat you or be better than you is if our putters are hot. You know, like we have to make putts because you're going to yeah. be to the hole. Cause you're far longer off the tee. You're a better iron player. And like, you can walk out, not making anything and still beat us. You know, we can make well sometimes maybe 25 footers and 30 footers just to hang in there. Right. But we need to make a few of those just to even kind of have a chance. Cause we just don't have the, the capability to consistently hit it really well. Yeah. Well, yeah, that's makes sense. And, and that's where those guys that are, I mean, they're all good players on the tour, but those guys that are the top of the putting, that's why they're there. Like, I would I would be willing to bet that Hayden Springer, who I think is number one on Stroskina right now, probably hits it worse than most a lot of the Corn Ferry guys or whatever, but he probably, he puts the shit out of it because that's that's how he survives and keeps his tour card out there. That's what Hoagie said about uh, Malnati, right? Yeah. He hit balls in the range. Like, how does he ever even – how does he have his card? But – you know, he just relies on that short game, probably puts himself in the fairways a lot. And instead of, you know, having 16 birdie looks, he probably has 12 and makes a bunch of them. So anyways, fun topic to, to discuss. I don't, it'll be interesting to see, you know, we're heading towards Augusta, right? We're getting in this kind of, we're almost to Mar- March. We're going to be in March soon. Um, and March is, is kind of the, the month to start getting geared up for, for one of the best is, is it, I'm trying to think of when is, when is Augusta this year? When is the masters? Oh, uh, let me look it up here. I don't know what kind of varies. It's usually first or second weekend in yeah. April. And I feel like this, this stretch here until the players really bores the hell out of me. Like you got Mexico this week, which has got nobody in the field basically. And then like in the whole Florida swing, um, other than the players and, you know, Bay Hill, the golf course really does nothing for me, but it's going to be a good, it's always a good field. So you got good players there. So you got Mexico this week. Then you go to the Honda at PGA national boring. Um, then after the Honda though, it's Bay Hill. That'll be a good field. That's a elevated or a signature event, you know, a $20 million purse. And then the week after is the players also good. So you got a back to back. Then the Valspar. I like, Houston, I like the Valspar tough golf course. That's what I'm saying. I like I like it because it's like it's a little different. It's not just a bomb and gouge necessarily. Yeah, the Masters is not till April 11th through 14th. 
So we got a ways because you got you go you go players and then you got kind of a three week run Valspar, Houston, Valero, Texas Open, which doesn't you know have a, there won't be a lot of guys playing some of those, but I, I believe Rory's going to play the Valero this year because he wants to play the week before Augusta. So you might get a little bit of a bump there with Rory in the field, but yeah, I just the Florida swing. I mean, Sawgrass is always fun to watch and the and Bay Hill, but the Florida swing doesn't do a lot for me. I get kind of this West Coast swing is the best I think of the of the little mini kind of swings of the season. Yeah, when I think of Florida swing, I just think of water. I just feel like there's just, yeah, it's all every golf course looks the same. Got tons of water on it. You know, it's double bogeys on par threes because you hit the water. It's tough par fours where you got water surrounding it. You got the big. They love the dog leg it around the water. You know, kind of a shot. So. I don't know. It's, it's, it's hard to, it, okay. So it, in the good way, it does, it does bring in some big numbers. Cause it's, you know, you could, you have those, those uh, penalties looming, but it's just really, I don't know. Not, I just, not, not most we've talked about this in the pod before. Doesn't it seem like the whole schedule is wacky? Like this California, the West coast swing this year was really bad. You know, they dealt with a lot of rain and wetness but that happens all the time. Like, I know they want to start in Hawaii, but there's got to be a better way. Like, why can't they start in Florida and then go to the West Coast? I don't know. I, I suppose they geared all around the players and the mat and the Masters, but it just is a bizarre. Like, don't they want the best weather? Like the way the PGA Tour does things makes no sense. And then they go to FedEx and they go to Memphis in freaking August, where it's 180 degrees and people are sweating their ass off like loose lover. None of it makes sense. But I will say this about that swing in Florida. The only thing that gets me going is the one year when if they get Bay Hill dry and fast, like that one year where the scores were like around even part. Now that's fun to watch. Yeah. The ball's just bouncing off the green. Yes. Worlds where these guys actually have to try to think a little bit. And well, it's like Riviera. That's what great, the great courses do. Like, you know, like most of these events, like they come, they play, they just go right at every flag stick and they shoot a billion under. You know, like Mexico this week, if it's not windy, they'll shoot a zillion under probably at that event, even the low, lesser name guys. Yeah, that field might be one of the worst fields I've ever seen. I, yeah, I it's not even doing picks this week on the newsletter. There's no point. I don't even want to waste my time. We're not going to even touch on on that. I, it's not worth it. There's not much. Uh, not no. much stuff, so um, anything else from Genesis? Nope. I saw Shark, the Shark. Greg Norman took a shot at the. OWGR. Apparently there's other ways to like figure out who the best golfers in the world are. There's these other rankings, quote unquote, data golf being one of them. Data golf's got them. Yeah. With fields and whatnot, but he tried to do like a chart where he has the four different rankings out there. And then he's got, I don't even know. One was data golf. One was, I don't remember the names of them, but then he has all his live golfers highlighted in green and you can see, you know, OWGR versus the other two. And there's a lot less, you know, green on that one. Whereas it was still pretty spread out. I mean, you know, I, I don't know how the other ones figure that stuff out with the live events only being, you know, 54 holes and, and stuff like that. I don't know how they decide that. Whether it's, um, I mean, if you think of data golf, it's just how well you hit the ball, isn't it? Pretty much. Data golf takes into event like field strength and stuff like the rankings do too. But um, yeah, I mean, uh, 
First off, Greg, Greg Norman, I don't, you made your, those players made their bed. They knew what was going to happen. Like they knew. So I don't feel bad for them at the same time. I do hope that this PIF deal with, I hope that PIF and the Saudis get brought into this whole new, you know, thing. So it's, so just like, like I'm tired of it. Just get them back in the world rankings and so we can, everybody can shut up and we can stop worrying about it. Like there's a legit 10 to 15 guys at the top of live that sure they'd be top 40 players for sure. Um, but until I something think, happens, that's not, not going to change. I think it just came up because all these guys are now having with the, with the major season coming up. Oh next. yeah. So that's why he was trying to show everybody this, you know, guys that are having to qualify that. And then it's actually interesting. Ben on pointed out that he, Still isn't exempt. He's like top thirty, in, in which yeah. I that surprises me. Yeah, so he'd get into the Masters, top fifty get into the Masters, but he not might not. All the other ones might not be exempt. Well, that's the thing. It's like it takes to, to me. It again, I, I don't care anymore. I'm kind of sick of it. But it takes a, a certain level of arrogance to know what you're doing, take the money, knowing that this league does not fit the world golf rankings and then just expect the world golf rankings to bend to you and change all the things. When you set your league up in direct violation of the world golf ranking system to get world golf rank points, they could have easily made that 72 holes with some sort of qualification. And then it would have put the RNA and the USGA and everybody else in a much tougher position to, to say no to world ranking points, but they chose 54 holes, you know, 48 player field, no cut, all these things. Now I know they're going to say hypocrisy with the PGA tour doing no cut, but like you started a new league from scratch. If you're going to try to poach players from the PGA tour, isn't one of the very first things you would say is how can we set this league up? So these guys can still get world ranking points and, and play in these majors. Like, how did nobody foresee this being a problem? Or did they just think that the world rankings were gonna were gonna bow down to the money as well? Yeah, I don't I, I don't know. I I just yeah, we, we do talk about it too much. It's just and let let's just see what happens and see where the chips fall and whatever whoever's gonna play at our majors, we're gonna watch it regardless. So For sure. I was gonna say before I forgot to mention this, but our guy that we had on the podcast recently is playing some good golf. I forgot to mention this. Ogie. Yeah. He's playing some good golf. He finished, uh, had a top 10 this week, finished eighth. Yep, um, and Pebble Beach, he was good. Yeah, had a decent little West Coast swing. I mean, you know, he's he's getting prime ready for his favorite course, which he said on the pod is, I shouldn't say favorite course, but a course that fits him amazingly well at the players, Sawgrass. So Sawgrass. He's trending. He said Masters won't fit him very well, but. No, I mean, like Riviera fits him. You know, he's a great, he's a, He's one of the best iron players out there. I think on like par three average is good. Like I would think Bay Hill would fit him maybe. You know, that's a tougher, you know, you got to be a good ball striker course. So, yeah, I mean, he's a hell of a good player. Go back and check out that episode. Well, I'll post a link with some of his uh, like finishes with a, with a link to the episode again. Yeah, he's playing, some, playing well. Uh, I was going to mention this. You know, there's not a whole lot of golf, golf news, but one thing I did see this week is that El Pato is back. He's coming up <laughs> in the senior uh, tournament this week. Uh, Mr. Angel Cabrera. Um, where's that? Where's that tournament at? Um, I don't remember what it, where it was. I I don't follow the 
senior tour as, well, as much as I, I, although I did, I was interested to see if Rocco could get a W. Um, they, they canceled it down to like nine holes or whatever. It's stupid. Yeah. He, yeah. Um, Elker kind of, kind of caught him pretty quickly, but that, uh, the way they handled that and the way it all went down just furthers my theory slash thought slash desire to just, can we just get rid of the senior tour? It's just a joke. Nobody cares. Get, get, get Piff, get Piff, get the Saudis to give him a bunch of money. Cause it's part of it is like that. That was designed as their like retirement plan, you know, like just give him some money so it can go away. It's just taking up airtime and, and resources and nobody gives a shit. How else can we watch John Daly play? And- we don't, we watch him on YouTube or something. Who cares? God, it's just so bad. Like nobody is, nobody's tuning in to watch Steven Alker. Like as great as he's been, as great as he's been the last couple of years, yeah. nobody cares. I love i I don't. I actually find myself watching a lot. Of, I don't know why. It's probably because when it's on, I just find myself mindlessly. I don't. I don't actually tune in knowing that there's a tournament, but I mindlessly watch a lot of the senior tour. I just <laughs> background. I couldn't tell you. I haven't watched any of it. I refuse. It's just su- it's such a shitty product. Like. I will watch the DP in the morning because I love getting up in the morning watching golf. PGA Tour. To me, I, I get it. Your audience, your golf audience is a lot of old people. And these are the stars back when they were, you know, whatever. But I have said this multiple times. The PGA Tour, whoever's running this venture, it's just idiotic. Why would you not put more emphasis on showing more corn fairy golf guys that are going to be and a lot of times, probably your future stars. Look at Scotty Scheffler. He was on corn fairy for a year. He, he tore it up, have some more of these events at a better time in the schedule, like TV wise. So people can get to know these younger players who are going to be household names and start building up some of your future stars instead of, you know, these retreads, like how many times I don't want to watch Stephen Ames and I don't want to watch, you know, uh, freaking. Yeah. What's the guy? He's won a billion t- times on the freaking senior tour. Uh, Scott McCarron. I don't want to watch Scott McCarron out there. And I don't want to see a bunch of tour edge commercials with a bunch of senior guys. Like, I don't care. I don't care about Marco Mira. It's not the 1990s Matt Augusta anymore. It's 2024. Yeah. Well, at least Bernard made that tour interesting, right? I mean, yeah, he made he made it interesting. Um, you know, we don't have a lot to more to talk about. One thing I want to bring up is, you know, it's kind of like gear season, right? Like, it's about the seasons coming up, time to kind of kind of stock and check to see what kind of polos you have for the next year. You know, your 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 pants, your shorts, got what you need. I did a little shopping today because, unlike you, I I did not have school. Um, <laughs> One of the things I went shopping for is I, I you know, I got to find a nice pair of shoes that I feel like are going to work at abandoned. You know, you got to walk a lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, what, uh, what are you thinking for walking shoes at a place that has that lot of sand can be very hard on your feet? Well, what's your strategy? Just go wear Reebok pumps and just kind of go. I wish they made a golf shoe back in the day. Reebok yeah. pumps. I would love to find a pair on eBay. They're sick actually. Um, <laughs> <laughs> they're white and they got the pump on the side. Um, well, 
I am biased when it comes to golf shoes as I only really buy two pairs. Foot choice, but not any foot choice. I only buy like the premieres, you know, the higher end leather ones. Uh, for whatever reason, I don't like the tennis shoey ones. If I'm going to get tennis shoe ones, I usually get Nike. But the one thing with the foot choice is there are they are a little heavier. Uh, and you need to break them in. Once you break them in, they're money. They're, they're, I would never in a million years take a brand new pair of foot choice to band in and walk 36 holes a day with new ones because your feet would be bleeding. Once you break them in, they're great. I actually, one sneaky good pair of shoes are Echo Biomes that are really, really comfortable. Um, but, you you know, I also, um, I have a pair of Jordan 1 Lowe's which are spike, they're, they're spikeless, but I will say a very comfortable walking shoe. And they look good, too. You can wear them with pants to, like, work and stuff. Um, yeah, I don't know. I think the thing with Bandon when we go out there is you almost have to expect some wetness. You know, it's going gonna, it's gonna to rain some, I think, at least, you know, from what I always watch on social media, it's, it seems like every other post that Bandon is like a downpour and you're playing through it and whatever. So you got to have something with good waterproof, too, to it. Yeah, I bought this. Uh, I mean, I, I was looking at, I didn't want to get, I wanted to get one that I didn't care about price. I wanted to just find a comfy, like, oh, this feels like a, a nice tennis shoe. Cause I, I walked stream song with foot joys. This goes back to last winter. I didn't know if I could even make it through 36. Like I, <laughs> I got 27, my feet were like done, which I had never really experienced. I've walked 36 holes before. But like for whatever reason, and it's never been, I haven't been sore on my feet. It's been other things that are, you know, my back or, you know, you've hit a lot of shots. My feet were just, oh. And so I was like, I got to find a pair that I just know are basically, like you said, like kind of like a tennis shoey where it's like, it's got to be comfort. Now I didn't get Skechers. You know? Oh man. Walking on clouds. I mean, you can walk on clouds. Yeah, with fitzy, fitzy. Did you get squares? Pick up um, a little speed. You can pick up a little speed with squares according to them. I tried on Nikes. I tried on just a nice, chewy white pair of Adidas. I tried on uh, what else did I try on? I I did try on another Foot Joy type. G four, get some G fours. No, it wasn't a G four. Um, but actually, the one that like when I sat and walked in them, the ones that felt the comfiest to me were the Adidas ones. Did you buy them? I bought them. I just like I'm just gonna go on comfort. I have a gift card. I don't care. I I just want. And I'll probably, you know, save save them. I won't wear them a ton. I'll wear them, break them in a little bit. But I just wanted a good pair that I can know that's comfy. I got Quaders too. Those are really comfy, but I don't know if they're very um, waterproofy. Which Adidas did you get? I don't even know. You have to, I, oh. Just it, like I said, I just bought based off of how they feel on my feet because that's yeah. Gonna... I mean, I've always been one to, to more buy them based on I think they look cool. <laughs> <laughs> and, and and hope and hope they work out on my feet. Now I that's burned me a few times because I ordered a pair of uh God, I ordered Nike. You know, they always release those special edition like US open ones. Yeah. I've ordered a pair of IT nineties with the Tory Tory Pines US Open here. They look really cool. And I got them somehow on the right when they opened up before they uh, the bots got them. And I swear to you, I've golfed 30 rounds in those things. And every single time, no matter how broken they are, they, my ink, my heels bleed the shit everywhere. It's like a bloodbath over and over again. I put a bunch of tape on my heels now when I'm going to wear them. So I don't wear them much anymore. So yeah, I don't know. I, I'm pretty standard. I, I like this. I like the foot joy premieres and I like some Nikes, I guess. I don't know. But speaking of apparel, we got to talk Swannies. 
that's what, that's what I was going to lead into. I was going to lead into Swans. Yeah, we got uh, – well, we had Matt Matt staying on the podcast. I think, you know, I've posted that a few times. Um, Swanee's co-founder. I've got a Swanee's – I actually, you know, there's a lot of times where hats – I just feel like I like that this hat, um, you know, I'm not doing a lot of bending of the things I could, but just the, the texture and feel of it is fantastic. And we, you know, they're helping us out. Um, they helped, they sent us some things to, to, to try on and to have, and they sent us a code. Um, if you go and I, I don't know, I, most of the time I see 15%. I don't know what, you know, a lot of times 25, this is 25. Like I actually, after I saw that, you know, I'm going to support Swanee's like that. That's cool. Then that they're going to give 25. I went in and bought another hat and I got a, Kind of like the uh, the waffle, you know, the long the waffle hoodie. Yeah. My uncle says cranberry goes with everything, so I went yeah. with kind of cranberry style because it can go with any color. Um, so I'll see that those are those are shipped out. I think today even, or I think I got an email that they're you know on their way or something. So it'll be interesting to see what the what that waffle feels like. I uh, yeah, the waffle I think is like is my favorite looking one. I. I know you and Tim have already opened yours up and everything. Mine has been sitting here sealed. I've been waiting. So I'm like, well, we can't drop a bunch of reveals at the same time because we got different stuff. So maybe maybe tonight I'll I'll finally break it open and see what we got in there and do a little video for it. But yeah, um, nice, good quality stuff. Uh, Minnesota company. Uh, well, I believe uh, Break 80 is the, is the code, right, for 25% off? I was wondering why you just wouldn't like open up right now and then you can post, you know, like we're, we're on our podcast. Uh, I'll set my I'll set my phone up and get a good video for social media. So, yeah, I have any still taped uh, sitting right below me. I gotta I gotta break it out here. I uh I got two really nice polos. In fact, I'll bring I think I might bring both even out to I'm gonna be heading to Palm Springs here on Thursday. Well, you're going out to this weekend, nice. Yeah, I'm gonna go to Palm Springs on Thursday, um golf Friday, hopefully thirty sixer. I think I think I might get a thirty six. The only problem is like, you know, I think we're going to play the same course twice just because the replay rate and it's right by where we live and it's a, it's a good course and looks awesome and sweet, but um, yeah, the Saturday round should be the fun one. We're going to play, uh, play um, PGA West stadium. West, yep. Or not Palm, PGA West, the uh, stadium course. So See I got to can... uh, get in the lab and start working on my Alcatraz swing. You know, I got to try to, message lab putters and see if i can get them to give me a free one to sponsor a whole segment that wouldn't that be a great segment to like show your old videos and then i could have me just making everything with the lab well i think it's Stuart that's you're tall right yeah but it can't and even when i do it like it it's not fun all the time to practice putting it like kind of hurts your back like when i'm done yeah. like i think you know Who's the other tall that recent, like Adam Scott's fairly tall. Like a lot of these guys that are taller, it just, you know, and you talk about your posture all the time. Like, yeah, it seems terrible with a normal putter. I hate it. I hate, I I can't even stand watching myself on video because, and that's actually the main reason why every single, like right now I'm looking at my, at my perfect putting mat that's still in the box from two years ago, but every single winter, like this time of year, not like when I started getting ready to play actual golf, we're getting closer. I always tell myself I'm going back to standard grip because I don't have to hunch over as much, you know, with a standard grip. Cause when you go left hand low or you go pencil, you have to get down even lower because of the way the grip is instead of a standard grip. 
so it's, but then I always tr start doing it and I'm like, God, I hate my, I, I can't, I hate putting with, I can't putt as well with that. So I go back to like the left, I go back to like the pencil and then my posture just shit again. But I don't know. The lab will fix it. Maybe, Maybe the lab will fix it. We'll he's see. like about six, three. Who? Scotty yeah, for sure. So I, you know, what's going to be cool. What I like about uh, like, like Arizona golf and like Palm Springs. I love the look of the dormant Bermuda where it's like brown still and the fairways are green. I think it's the coolest look out in golf. I want to say that's that's the court. Like I think that's what I'll find, right? That's what I'll that's what should be, unless it's really changed. But like when Dunlop won there, yeah, it was brown in the rough and stuff because it's 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 still growing, but it just doesn't get the color. Okay. Well, well, yeah, we'll see. Uh, I have not, uh, you know, I I have not hit a ton of balls this winter. Um, I haven't. You know, even when you could have played, like in Minnesota, we could have been playing the last couple of weeks. I think there was opportunities. You played around. I I just have not. So I have no idea. I do notice that the, uh, the stadium course has TrackMan on the range. Yeah, a lot of those big nice ones do now, yeah. That's pretty, that'll be pretty sick. Kind of get an idea where, where the heck. Especially when you're out there, you know, they're, the elevation stuff, right? Like, I, I have zero idea how far my 8-iron is going to go. No idea. You yeah, know, it, should, it should be at least. Should go at least five yards longer, probably more. So that and that's what would be nice, kind of just kind of get a, get a baseline. So yeah, that'll well, be sweet. I don't. Uh, yeah, a lot, a lot of come. You know, Tim will probably check in on, on what he's up to. He's playing a really cool course uh, tomorrow. Teeth of the dog, all over social media or YouTube. I know a lot of recent things happened there. I think Good Good was there. Four yep. players. Anybody else? I mean. He's playing two good ones. He's playing the other good one in the Dominican Republic too. I can't remember the name of it though, but he'll have some, he'll have some content, hopefully other than selfies uh, <laughs> coming out. <laughs> if I see another Tim selfie on the break 80 podcast, IG page, I'm going to have to ban him from, we're going to have to ban him from his own podcast pictures. <laughs> <laughs> My mind. Uh, he, he thinks people want to see him more than golf. I know. <laughs> um, so anyways, well, if you haven't got a chance, we we'd really appreciate. It. We haven't, we don't ask this a lot, but like if you give us a review on Spotify, Apple, all those things, and the, the little gesture like that, even you know, listening all the way through, we're even appreciated that. Like, you know, we've got a couple of things that, not to say offers, but we're we're trying to you know build some things here, and we've been in talks with some things, and and we haven't officially you know committed anything or not, but. Um, you know, just the reviews and stuff help us a lot. Like it just helps us maybe take that next step in, into what, you know, we're trying to build and, and the content we're trying to bring. So if you can do that, that'd be a big help. Um, yeah. Anything else, Mike, before we, we sign off tonight? No, we got a uh, newsletter too. You can check out on our, if you go to social media, as you can get a link, that's our, that would be another one. It's free. All you got to do is put an email in and you get all the, you can get the pod there. You can get all kinds of articles we write about random stuff. So trips and PGA tour and our own games and everything for free. So hit that up too. You've talked about a couple articles. I've got a couple of, um, one in the hopper that actually I, I uh, a follower wrote. Um, nice. And former college golfer played for UConn. So we'll, I'll get that one out here a little bit. I got another one that uh, a good friend of the pod who's been on the podcast before. Um, Will Frazier is uh, going to write one on routine. There you go. Um, so that'd be kind of a fun one. Just, you know, pr perspective from other people that play golf at a high, high level, uh, much higher than me. Um, so uh, 
something to look forward to. So, anyways, um, as you know, the difference between 79 and 80 is everything. Maybe today's the day I brigade deep. What the ball to draw, but it keeps on fading. No OB and no bogeys. I gotta keep it on the 80 as the gold Did you hit it on one? Straight up the gut, baby. Now I got a wedge on my short game cravings. Little bit of edge on the sport makes gravy. So punch out the rough and tune to break 80. Break 80. Very, 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 very.